98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top story is an expert calls for restaurants and bars to close to stem the spread of COVID-19. The government says it's fixed a glitch in the wristbands that are meant to track people in quarantine and the mainland reports no new local cases for a third day, but imported coronavirus cases rise. An infectious disease advisor to the government, Professor David Hoy, says the government should consider limiting opening hours for restaurants and bars if more people infected with the coronavirus are found to have visited diners and pubs. The professor from Chinese University expects a spike in confirmed cases as more people return to Hong Kong from overseas. He says the risk of a community outbreak will rise if returnees still go out to socialise instead of staying in quarantine. Well, in the last few days, there were quite a number of cases that were linked to uh, bars or restaurants in Langkwai form, right? So I think that if the trend continues like that, uh, government may need to consider uh, reducing the working hours, opening hours in these venues. Well, I think the government need to negotiate with the uh, operators, uh, maybe to uh, cut down the number of opening hours uh, so that people don't gather together for a long period. Health Secretary Sophia Chan says people would still go out if they choose, even if shops are closed, but she's urging shops to close early or provide delivery services. Professor Hoy also says the government should provide quarantine venues, such as hotels, for people returning to the city to stay at when they observe their 14-day quarantine. He added that authorities should test people to identify those infected as soon as possible upon their arrival and should consider an entry ban for foreigners if it turns out that many are coming to Hong Kong. Those people who are returning from Europe, especially the UK, quite a number of them actually may carry the virus. So ideally, the government should actually provide a quarantine centre or venue to observe these people for 14 days. Now, however, there are actually limited space because there are also people returning from Hubei. They also need to accommodate the close contacts. So as a result, we don't have a lot of space for the uh, returnees from Europe. So I think the government should consider using hotels. The Deputy Secretary for Health, Daniel Cheng, says the government has considered using hotels but faces challenges in areas such as ventilation and central air conditioning systems. He said hotel staff may also be unwilling to manage the facilities. The authorities say they've fixed glitches in monitoring bracelets that are intended to track people in home quarantine. Many people have complained that they didn't get the verification messages that are needed to activate the system. Others said they didn't get a bracelet until they complained. The Deputy Secretary for Health, Daniel Cheng, says the government has fixed the issues and has distributed 11,000 bracelets since Thursday when the system came into effect. The Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, explained the reason for the delays. For some time periods, when a lot of flights land in Hong Kong at around the same time, the quicker it is for people to clear the immigration, the more information we have accumulated. It will take some time for the data to be transferred to the Office of the Government Chief Information Officer. If not many people are on the flights, then we can slowly process the data. But when there are a lot of passengers, there might be some delays. But we have already smoothed out the process. The government says the authorities will take a flexible approach with foreign domestic helpers seeking to extend their stay in Hong Kong in light of the coronavirus outbreak. The Immigration Department said in a statement that this is intended to help those foreign domestic helpers whose current contracts end on or before July 31st to find a new employer in Hong Kong. 
It says domestic helpers can apply to extend their stay as a visitor for up to one month if they're unable to go home because of the pandemic or because of travel restrictions. It says the Immigration Department will use its discretion. The mainland has reported no new local cases of the deadly coronavirus for a third consecutive day, but it also confirmed 41 imported cases, the highest increase in in infections from abroad so far. A total of 269 cases have now been brought into China from abroad. Beijing and other regions are forcing international arrivals to go into 14-day quarantine, while the Civil Aviation Ministry said this week it would limit passenger numbers on inbound international flights. The rate of infection has been slowing for weeks in China, while the rest of the world steps up measures to battle the pandemic. The number of deaths has also slowed dramatically on the mainland, with seven new fatalities reported today, all in Hubei province, the epicentre of the outbreak. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. More US states are ordering everyone but essential workers to stay at home to try to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Illinois, Connecticut and New York made the announcements yesterday. The governor of New York State, Andrew Cuomo, said the situation needed to be taken seriously. This is not voluntary. It's not helpful hints. We are going to monitor it. There will be civil fines and there can be mandatory closures for businesses that don't comply. I am not kidding about this. Uh, The numbers are going up at such a rate that, uh, as I said, it's more than... Uh, double the capacity of the hospital system. In Washington, one of Vice President Mike Pence's staff has tested positive for the disease. His press secretary has said neither President Trump nor Mr Pence have had close contact with the individual. The British government has announced radical measures to mitigate against the economic impact of the coronavirus and the steps taken to try to slow the spread of the disease. The Chancellor of the Exchequer said the state would pay 80% of the wages of all those not able to work for three months. The World Health Organization has urged young people to heed warnings about the threat posed by COVID-19. Tedros Sadanum Ghebreyesus said they were not invincible. BBC's Imogen Fuchs has more. There's a kind of general assumption that only the elderly are really at risk and that anybody maybe under the age of 65 might have a few symptoms but will be okay. And in fact, that's not quite the case. And that's the first thing that the WHO wanted to make clear is that it can be a very, very nasty illness which can leave your lungs damaged, even for younger people. And the second thing is to appeal to young people Fair enough, they've got their whole lives in front of them. They want to get out there and have fun and to say there's a reason right now where you can't. In other news, the South Korean military says North Korea has test-fired what appear to be two short-range ballistic missiles. It's the third time this month that North Korea has carried out such manoeuvres. BBC's Laura Bicker reports from Seoul. The missiles were launched from the northwest province of North Korea and flew 500 kilometres across the country before landing in the Sea of Japan. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff described the launches as extremely inappropriate at a time when the world is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. North Korean state media reported that leader Kim Jong-un guided an artillery drill earlier this week. Photos of similar exercises earlier this month showed soldiers wearing masks, but in most recent images there are no face masks to be seen. 
It seems the state is keen to reinforce the message that there's no COVID-19 inside North Korea, despite unofficial reports that hundreds have been infected. To sport now, and with much of the on-field action suspended due to coronavirus, a major move in the world of American football is leading the headlines. One of the greatest players of all time, Tom Brady, has officially signed a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, bringing an end to 20 glittering years with the New England Patriots. The NFL broadcaster Brooke Payton says Tampa and coach Bruce Arians will be good a good fit for him. He's going to take a team that wasn't a thought at all for the Super Bowl uh, this year to a team that can be a legitimate contender. Uh, They just have to add in a couple more pieces. They need a running back. They probably need one or two more wide receivers. But I think that this system is going to allow him to throw the ball downfield more. It's not going to be a lot of the, the underneath stuff that he was so good at in New England. Um, But I think that, that Bruce Arians is going to kind of tailor his offense to Tom Brady. And I think that, you know, if not a championship this year, then they're going to be seriously in contention in one for next year. Fans of Formula One had been looking forward to the season opening Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend. But even with that race off, they'll be able to watch their favourite drivers in action, taking part in a video game simulation of their favourite sport. BBC's Jack Nichols explains more. You see it with football, where uh, a lot of footballers, you know, you see them when they're when they've got their downtime, they're they're playing FIFA. But with motorsport, it's a bit different because you're actually doing the same actions. You know, you're sitting at a steering wheel and pedals, driving a car the way you would in in real life, fundamentally. So that's why it's uh, very popular within the motorsport world. They'll be playing the F1 2019 game, which you can you know, play on any platform. They'll be on a steering wheel and pedals. Whether they're actually going to be on Xbox or PlayStation or PC, I don't 100% know yet, but it's not going to be on their official team simulators. It's going to be on the games that, that you or I can go and buy. And that's the news from RTHK. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week, we celebrate the International Francophonie Day, which started yesterday, Friday the 20th, in songs. The entire two-hour show is devoted to some of the latest French-language songs from a lot of places on the planet. As always, Giovanotti says it so well, we're still the belly button of the world. We celebrate International Francophonie Day, La Journée Internationale de la Francophonie, for a very special reason. Yesterday, Friday the 20th, was the start of celebrations of the 50th anniversary of the Niamey Convention, which was signed in 1970 and established the ACCT, or Agence de Coopération et Technique, which became the OIF, Organisation Internationale de la Francophonie, comprised of its 77 member states and their 369 million French speakers around the world. So let's listen to a few of those speakers singing in the next few songs. Starting off with Clay and Friends from Montréal, Montreal in Quebec, Canada. They have quite a bit of an interesting story. They were founded, they're a four-member band, founded by Mike Clay, came out with a first EP a few years ago called La Musica Popular de Verdun, very tongue-in-cheek, Spanish for popular music of Verdun, or Verdun, which is one of the suburbs of Montreal, where they grew up in. And uh, Mike Clay has been uh, 
interviewed saying that he grew up listening mostly to English songs, but watching French TV, French movies, uh, and reading in French, and he discovered French music just recently. So their new EP is called Grouillade, a slang term, which he says is from uh, Haitian slang, uh, which means let yourself go completely, which is very apt for their musical style of hip-hop, soul, and funk, where you let yourself go on the dance floor. And the EP being entirely in French, one of the latest tracks on the charts is this one, which is one of his discoveries. Gainsbourg. Yes, the giant of chansons françaises. So here's Clay and Friends from Montréal and Gainsbourg. Je vous dirai tous les détails. J'ai enfin du clair. 